And here we are again, another edition of Mile High Magazine. Happy Sunday. Hope you're having a great weekend. It's Murphy Houston. Staying safe. Wear the mask. Maybe you got your COVID shot already. One of the lucky ones. Stay separated. It's all good. And today, I'm very excited about this. We're going to talk with Annie Levinsky, the executive director of Historic Denver. And I was telling Annie, I'm kind of a history buff, and I'm reading some of the material we're going to talk about. And Annie, I got to tell you, we live in a very exciting place, don't we? We do. We live in a city with a lot of really great, interesting, and and diverse history. It's a lot of fun. Well, let's talk about historic Denver. It's been around a while. How did it begin, and uh, where is it headed? That's right. Well, uh, just at the end of last year, we celebrated our official 50th birthday, um, and we will be continuing to celebrate that throughout the next couple of months. Uh, Because we got started really to save the Molly Brown House, which people may know may have been on a field trip as a student or or visited there with family. Um, But Historic Denver actually uh, purchased the Molly Brown House in um, in late night. Well, in early 1971, after the owner, Art Lysenring, put out the alert um, in late 1970 that he knew he needed to sell the building, but was afraid that as soon as he did, it would be demolished like so many of its neighboring structures had already been. Right. Um, And so a group of community members got together and and incorporated a nonprofit and purchased the museum. Of course, not yet a museum, purchased the house and turned it into the museum, um, which opened in March of 1971. Uh, But the group knew they'd want to do more than just save the Molly Brown House Museum, so they named themselves Historic Denver. Very nice. And thank goodness they saved the Molly Brown house. Everybody seems, and rightfully so, seems to equate Molly Brown with the Titanic. But the history of her and her husband, it's really big time in Denver, isn't it? Right. I think they really represent sort of the history of how Colorado and Denver in particular came to be in in terms of modern history. You know, mining, made their money in gold mining, uh, but she was a philanthropist and suffragist um, and very involved in a lot of nonprofits and organizations that we, you know, continue to rely on today, like the Denver Dog Friends League, for example. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, and I think one of the cool things, and you just said suffragist, uh, Molly Brown led the right for female votes and became, Colorado became one of the first places, one of the first places that uh, women could vote thanks to Molly Brown. Well, she was involved here, yes, locally in the 1890s when Colorado women got the right to vote. And then she stayed involved nationally and, and was very heavily involved with on some of the national leaders who fought for the 19th Amendment, which, of course, just uh, passed its 100th anniversary uh, in 2020 as well. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff there. So let's talk about some of your other favorite historic Denver saves, because I love talking about this stuff, stuff that I'm sure maybe a lot of listeners, even if you've lived here for a while, don't even know were saved or were even existed. Great. So what do you got yeah, there? Yeah, so, yeah, so we've worked on a, a lot of projects. I, I like to think if there's a building that, Um, that you admire or enjoy visiting historic Denver probably has had a role in helping to save it. Um, You know, in, in the 1970s and 1980s, a lot of buildings were still being demolished. The philosophy of the day was sort of clear, clear old buildings. And, and it was, you know, urban renewal was the concept. Uh, So, but historic Denver was able to lead the effort to save the lower downtown historic district, which became a protected district in 1988. Um, and I always have to remind people, you know, that's before Coors Field was built. It was before the Central Pe- Valley or Pepsi Center were built, or I should say Ball Arena now. Um, and so it was really the first step in um, bringing folks back downtown to live in, in the downtown core and re- rehabilitating those buildings. Uh, but we also helped create the Downtown Historic District, which protects buildings like the Brown Palace and the Equitable. 
Um, but also, you know, lesser known spots um, all around the city. Ninth Street Historic Park was one of our first really big projects. Um, that is the block of homes on the Auraria campus that represent what the neighborhood was like uh, before the campuses were built. And it was one of our city's oldest um, and also had a really um, rich and diverse um, history of Mexican-American and Latino families. Um, so there, there's sites all around the city that we've been involved in. Um, yeah, and one of the ones that I know uh, people always like to hear about is the Paramount Theater. Yes. Um, yes. People are always surprised to hear that the, at one time it was threatened with demolition, and, and downtown was once once full of historic theaters. Um, but many of them were demolished in the 1980s, uh, leading to the threat to the Paramount. And so our organization at the time was still relatively young, but sunk everything we had into purchasing the Paramount. Um, and putting a protective easement in place, which is an agreement that ensures that it will not be demolished, uh, and then turning it over, creating a, a nonprofit foundation to operate it, which um, occurred for many years until it was later purchased by by Cronky Sports Enterprises, who holds it today and takes care of it today. Um, and so we're really proud of our, you know, our ability to sort of help these buildings through a transition period and get them into the hands of owners who can ensure their survival. And, and Temple Buell, a name people obviously know in Denver, played a, a big role in saving a lot of buildings, too, didn't they? Well, Temple Buell designed the Paramount Theater and, and a number of other, yeah, really beloved buildings. The, um, the nurses' dorm on the old St. Joseph or at the St. Joseph's campus. Um, people always recognize that one because it looks like it's the bricks make it look like it's on fire. almost. Yeah, that's um, very <laughs> iconic. So uh, Temple Buell, really a, a important architect and yeah, very involved in Denver for a long time. And the other one you, I know you guys saved, because I did remember reading this, is when Elidge's moved, everybody was worried about losing that iconic Elidge Theater with so much history there. And right. you, you were right. involved with saving that theater. Right, yeah. When, when Elidge moved and it was becoming a residential neighborhood, Historic Denver certainly supported and helped to ensure that a couple elements would remain, and then the most important being the theater. Um, and we do today hold a similar to the Paramount Theater. We have an easement, which is a private agreement that ensures that it will be protected and cared for. And the ownership group does a great job as well as the Historic Elish Theater Foundation, which has been raising money to get the theater back into working condition so that the community can still enjoy it. But, yeah, so much history there. I mean, lots of lots of key uh, actors and singers have come through that spot over over a hundred years of history. Is that even open anymore? Can you even just tour that Elish Theater? Um, you know, you can from time to time. I don't think there were any in 2020, of course, but um, in recent years there have been um, outdoor shows with the opportunity to then view the interior, and they are working to get it in a condition where there could be interior shows. Of course, it was a summer stock theater, so it was never designed to be used in the winter. Right. Um, but they've been trying to make it so that it could be used a little bit more year-round. That's a great place for sure. If you've ever been to Denver or want to see some neat things, you can just walking around it, not getting inside, is kind of cool to look at. It is, it, absolutely, it, yeah. It, it's beautiful, and I'm glad we were able to save that. And, of course, it's not just commercial buildings that historic Denver works to save. What other kind of projects have you worked on? Yeah, we often partner with neighborhood groups, um, especially if they're interested in creating historic districts. Um, or with private homes. So we have some of those easement agreements with some of Denver's most iconic um, homes, like the Rick Toffin Castle in Montclair. Lots of people know that one. Or the um, Patterson Inn, also known as the Croke Patterson House in Capitol Hill, which looks like a French chateau. So those are two of our really early residential um, agreements. But we have worked on historic districts from the Baker neighborhood to Jefferson Park, from Curtis Park to, um, you know, parts of South Denver, like where the Vassar bungalows are in recent years. Um, so really, and it's big houses as well as small houses, because the idea is you want to preserve a, 
a, a sense of what our city has been like and how it has changed and developed and who the people are that have you know, given these areas um, their meaning and their interest. Uh, we're talking with Andy Levinsky, Executive Director of Historic Denver, and there's so much going on. I mean, how do you find out or how do you determine what is a historic district? Do, do people that live there reach out to you or somebody that owns that building saying, hey, they're going to tear this down. I think we ought to try to save it. How does that all come about? Right. Yeah, it can come about in a lot of different ways. Um, you're right that often it comes from the community reaching out to us. Um, somebody saying, I really think my neighborhood is special. I'd, I'd like to work on a project or I'm concerned about this this property in particular, um, we spend a lot of time talking to property owners about um, some of the preservation incentive programs that exist and why it might benefit them to save a building. Um, and historic districts, as well as landmarks, do have to meet established criteria um, that are defined by the city of Denver because it is a, a, a municipal program um, to have something designated. So there are architecture, history, and culture criteria that um, buildings or neighborhoods have to meet in order to become designated. And we also have a really large project called Discover Denver. Yeah. It's fun if people want to check it out. It's called discoverdenver.co is the website. But we are literally going neighborhood by neighborhood, building by building, documenting uh, all structures, all the primary structures in the city. There are over 160,000 of them. Um, trying to really proactively uncover what's out there that, you know, is special and unique and that, uh, you know, gives our neighborhoods their character and the things people like living there. So that's been going on for about five years, and we'll, we'll continue on forward. Uh, we're working in the coal neighborhood right now. Did you say there were 160,000 projects? 160,000 primary structures in the city of Denver. And so we are uh, working on uh, creating this large-scale database, um, just uh, documenting you know, what those are, a little bit about their architectural style, and in some cases a little bit about their history that people will be able to search and look at. So does the historic Denver people do that research? Are they the ones on top of mm-hmm. it to make that determination? And then they turn it over to the city and say, hey, we ought to really look at saving this place. Well, Discover Denver is a partnership with the city of Denver and Historic Denver. We work on it together. Okay. Um, so, uh, so it is a, a team effort. But, yes, actually we have volunteers who go out and we train them, and they, they do the photography and the documentation. And then we have um, research interns who, who do the archival research, not about every single building, but about those buildings that the community has tipped us off are special or that you can just look at and say, you know, there must be some interesting story here because this building is a little different. Um, and we do that research. Um, and then it is it is also reviewed by the city. Yes. Boy, you guys are out there working it. That's for sure. Talk about that house made famous by that Woody Allen film. Everybody talks about that. Yeah, people have all sorts of nicknames for it. Some people call it the sleeper house or the spaceship house. You see it up on when you're driving right. west on I-70 near Genesee. Um, and it's actually technically called the sculpture house is its name. And it was designed by an architect named Charles Deaton. He also did the bank, um, the big round spaceship bank that people see way down on South Broadway. Uh, and so he was a really innovative architect, uh, used really avant-garde shapes. Um, and Historic Denver does also hold a protective easement on that building. Um, the owner in the 1990s wanted to ensure that it would be saved, and he uh, donated that easement, which ensures it will be well cared for. So we get to visit it every other year and, and check on its condition and help the owners figure out how to continue to care for it. Um, and, you know, Genesee is obviously is outside the city of Denver, uh, doesn't have an official landmarks program. because It's not a big city, and so the easement is really the only way um, to provide that kind of protection. Well, didn't people actually lived in there for a long time, and maybe even recently within the last five, six years, actually lived um, there in are, there? Yeah, there are owners now who uh, they they don't live there full time, but they um, you know it, you can it is 
habitable. You can live in it. The uh, There was a major renovation done, um, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s by the previous owner um, to make it more livable. It was actually vacant for its first several decades um, and never fully finished because, unfortunately, Charles Deaton died while um, while it was still in construction. And so, uh, but yes, it is It is a house and you can live it in. It's, it's quite spectacular. Yeah, it is. I've driven up there and it's so unique. And I wanted to go inside to look at it, mainly because it was tied in with that Woody Allen film people talk about. Mm-hmm. But, right, uh, it, right. And, but when you drive up, you can't miss the thing. It's up there in the hill and it looks like a flying saucer. It does, yeah, yeah, and unfortunately, it is not open to the public um, except on you know some rare occurrences. Um, but there are some wonderful pictures. Um, Rocky Mountain PBS actually just did a great documentary about it last week um, that I'm sure is available online, where you can really see all those interior um, shots. That was last week already. I better take a look at that. That sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah it was great. Talk about some of the stuff you're doing out at Five Points. There's a lot of history down there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Five Points is a really special neighborhood. Um, Historic Denver worked with folks in the community back almost 20 years ago to create the Five Points Cultural Historic District, um, which is a district that protects some of the key commercial buildings, mainly along Welton Street. Um, And that area was for a long time known as Harlem of the West because there was so much um, jazz music coming through the neighborhood and and artists and other community leaders. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of that was because of segregation and black entertainers could not stay in the downtown hotels, you know, in the 1920s and 30s. Um, But it but it created this opportunity for this really wonderful uh, cultural development in five points. Um, Really, at the heart of that was the Rossonian, which was a hotel and a jazz club. And we as an organization are now working with the uh, new owners of that building to support a rehabilitation project that will restore the sign and the windows. Cool. While they are working on turning it back into a hotel, and it will, again, have a jazz club in it. Oh, that's fantastic. So before I let you go here, Annie, I mean, where do you get your funding from, and do you need volunteers, and can people get involved with this kind of stuff? Because a lot of people love to say what's going on in Denver. Yeah, absolutely. We are a nonprofit organization, so we uh, and we're membership-based, so we certainly welcome folks to become members, and that way they get the inside scoop on what's going on all across the city and and fun things about all these historic places. They also get admission to Molly Brown House Museum. Uh, We do have volunteers for our Discover Denver program, as well as at the Molly Brown House Museum, and uh, for our walking tours. If folks want to learn even more, we offer walking tours. Um, In 2021, we're going to do it year-round, and and it goes to different neighborhoods, um, Five Points, Lodo, Capitol Hill. And you can um, walk along, you know, these days, of course, in a very small group and, and with masks. Um, and then hopefully, you know, down the road, uh, we'll go back to our, our normal mode of walking tour operation. So what is You go to a website to find out all that information? Yeah, right. It's all available at historicdenver.org. Well, that's pretty easy. Even I can remember that. <laughs> right. And I've done one of those walking tours. It is fascinating. Oh, and, good. and the people you get on those walking tours that explain what's going on, it's it's very interesting. Really interesting. You know, we always say there's no better way to really look at your city and get to know it than on foot because you just notice details that you would never notice if you were driving by in the car. So it's a great way to stop and, and just look around and learn a little more about the stories and, and the really fascinating people that have come through Denver. Amen to that. Andy Levinsky, keep up your good work over there at Historic Denver. She's the executive director. And thanks for coming on a Mile High Magazine today. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Yeah, come back again soon and update us on what's going on because I like to know that stuff. Right. And you hang on now. Dr. John Douglas from Tri-County Health will be in with his weekly update on the COVID shots and what's happening in the state of Colorado. On Mile High Magazine, I'm Murphy Houston.